show on the land of Israel network broadcasting today from beautiful Beit El where I'm at a beautiful matzah baking factory uh, just a um, uh, just a few days two days before Passover and this is my uh, many year in a row tradition that I bake with the uh, community of Malay Adumim here in Beit El that's right we go we join the Malay Adumim crew we come to Beit El and we broadcast and we Bake matzahs. My great grandparents were uh, were bread and matzah bakers in uh, the uh, town of Ostrowitz, Ostrowca, in Poland before the Holocaust. And uh, today I continue that tradition of baking, and I man the oven. And that also means that I uh, really feel the heat of the oven. A lot of deep thoughts go through my mind about the Holocaust, about the rebirth of the Jewish people. In fire, Jerusalem was destroyed. In fire, it will, it will be rebuilt. About tradition, about the baking of matzahs. I baked with my Rebbe, Rabbi Moshe David Tendler, matzah. And that whole atmosphere of, of this incredible food called matzah, which is really some kind of informational transference through the generations. Uh, that's what the matzah is, is in part a narrative tool. It's in part not just a, um, a food, but is also a tool to tell a tale and to remind us of the exodus and who we are as a people. It's a very, very powerful thing, and we bake that matzah. Buying matzah is one thing. Anybody who's ever uh, 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 slaughtered an animal or caught a fish or grew a vegetable knows that when you eat that, it's very different when you understand where it came from, the self-sacrifice, the sacrifice of the animal or the sacrifice that it took to grow that vegetable. And, and it's just a completely different taste, so too with matzah. Uh, my daughter is with me today here, and she is part of this um, experience of baking matzahs. Today's show is a very special show, and that is actually uh, something that I'm not smart enough to do, which is to give over a model Seder. Now, this lesson is not mine. It is rather a rabbi... Uh, Eli Mansour, one of the great teachers of our time in the Sephardic Syrian SY tradition. And Rabbi Eli Mansour is just a very dynamic, brilliant, and, and, and true Torah gifted person. And he decided a few years ago to give a model Seder and to record it. Now, what's funny about this class is that it kind of got lost on the internet. It only appears in one place on the internet in any normal way. But there's really just no way to, to the, the, the site is just not a very good site to, to listen to. Uh, it doesn't work well. And I tried to download it. It doesn't download, etc. And so what I did was I listened to Ben Bresky, uh, who's editing the show today. But I listened to his advice and I, and I took, a, 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 I took a, a tablet, recorded, uh, played the, the audio from the tablet into uh, my audio recorder and then w took that to the computer, edited it, uploaded it, and Ben Bresky's going to stick it into the show today. This is an hour and a half of Rabbi Eli Mansour. Now, I didn't get permission to record this and put this back up, but I'm sure that Rabbi Eli Mansour will either forgive me or, or even be happy with the fact that I am uh, replaying his incredible hour and a half class. Now, you may not understand all the Hebrew terminology or the Sephardic pronunciations. That doesn't matter. 
because uh, 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 you'll understand the, the gist of it. Just listen through it. It's worth it. This is Rabbi Eli Mansur on the Seder. Uh, and Seder means order, which he talks about right in the beginning. So, so, so the order is, this is the intro right now. Now we're going to put in Rabbi Eli Mansur, and I'll be back from the Matzah Baking Factory at the end. But I really believe that this is a very worthwhile class for you to listen to. So enjoy Rabbi Eli Mansur on the Seder, and I'm going back to uh, baking the matzahs here in beautiful Beit El. We'll be, we'll be back. I'll be back. But right now, enjoy Rabbi Eli Mansur. We are now about to do... One of the most important things that could be done in preparation for the night of Pesach, specifically Lele HaSeder. I say Lele HaSeder because us Jews in the diaspora, we have the Seder two nights. The Seder, which literally means an order. It's called an order because it follows a format. As we have the words that we say customarily in the beginning of the Seder, Kadesh, Urhas, Karpas, Yahas, Magid, Ruhsam, Mutsi, Matzah, Maror, Korech, Shulhan, Orech, Safun, Barech, Halel, Nirzah. This is a Seder. It follows a program. Each one of these words has a whole story behind it. If you're not going to prepare... People come to the Seder and they don't know what Kadesh is. They don't know how to make Urhas. They don't know what the Karpas is. Everybody knows what Shuhan Orech is. That they know. But when it comes to all the other details of the Halakhot, they're not familiar. It's unfortunate. And they go their whole lives. When it comes to the Seder, instead of the father telling the child what's supposed to be done, like it says in the Pasuk, instead happens the opposite. The child tells the father, This is not proper. A father or the leader of the seder must know all the halachot. And he must take control at each position, at each uh, juncture, in order to lead the family. We do this, we sit, we lean over here, we drink this amount, we eat this amount, and so on and so forth. So tonight, because I was asked many times, whether it's from people in the community or people online that send us questions. Rabbi, could you give us an understanding of how to do the Lela Seder? So we accepted upon ourselves this year, Tavshin Ayn Gimal, to come together a week before Pesach in order to make, like we used to do in the yeshiva, a model Seder, where we go through the different motions with a visual so everybody can see it, and understand exactly the actions that should be performed. But before we get to the Seder, you have to know about Erev Pesach. The Gemara says on Rabbi Akiva, never did Rabbi Akiva make an announcement in the yeshiva that everybody should go home. Why should he make such an announcement? He wants everybody to learn. Except two days a year, Rabbi Akiva would come into the Midrash, he would bang on the Teba, Rabotai, go home. Which two days? Erev Yom Kippurim and Erev Pesach. Erev Yom Kippurim, because there's a mitzvah to eat on Erev Yom Kippur. So Rabbi Akiva saw all the rabbis learning, they said, if I don't stop them, they're not going to go eat. They're not going to be able to eat the Surah Tam of they're not going to be able to fast tomorrow. So he would make an announcement, Rabotai, close the books. 
go eat the Surat HaMafseket so he could fast tomorrow. The second day that he used to do this was Erev Pesach. Why? Erev Pesach, he wanted the children to go to sleep. So he wanted the fathers to go home to put their kids to sleep, to rest. Why? Because the purpose of the Seder is for the children. If the children are running around all day, and they're busy playing, by the time Leila Seder comes, especially now that we change the clock forward an hour, so it's late to Seder. Maybe we don't start to Seder until we come from home to Bet Knesset at 8.30. By the time we get everything in order, it could be quarter to nine, nine o'clock, the children are tired. And therefore, by the time we get to the main parts of the Sedarim, the children fell asleep already. What's the purpose of the whole Seder? Where's Bencha? Bencha's in Halamot, in the dreams. So therefore, it's incumbent of parents to make sure that their children sleep on Erev Pesach. Not only that, it would be a good idea for the adults to take a rest also. This is Halakha. Erev Pesach, lie down for an hour in order that you should get your strength, in order that when you make the Seder, you'll be able to be with full energy. Especially if you'll be able to make it available that the woman should be able to take a rest on Erev Pesach. Usually, the woman rests during the Seder itself. Why? Because the whole month, they're running, and they don't stop. The first time the lady sits is when? After the Kiddush. She sits down, and she falls asleep. And they're haggard. So therefore, it's proper in order to tell the woman, also, if you can alleviate from them the stress of the Eid of Pesach, to let them, let them rest a little, they work hard enough, for them to be awake at this great moment. Good. That's Eid of Pesach. Furthermore, Shulchan Aruch writes, Yisader You must have your table set from already before. That means when the men come home from the Bet Knesset, the table is set already. Not that when they come home, okay, bring the plates, bring the kosot, bring the napkins, bring the forks. Now you're setting up the table. Why? Because they want you to make the Kiddush miyad, immediately, in order that the children don't go to sleep. So that's a mitzvah on Erev Pesach, to make sure the table is set. Now the key of a good seder is the preparation. As much preparation you put into the seder, that's how good it flows. But if a person is going to come to the seder and start preparing, when there's 50 people around the table, it's too, it's too uh, confusing, it's too much traffic. So the table is set. But Maran writes also, you must prepare where you're going to sit. Because the sitting on the night of Pesach is not like regular sitting. There's laws of Heseba. Now if the table, sometimes people have many guests. Now there's all bridge chairs next to each other all around. And now you sit down. They're sitting like this. You can there's a girl on one side of him, there's a girl on the other side of him. Now he's surrounded by two girls. How's he going to make a seba on, on, on the lady next to him? Now he's stuck. But the rabbi said you have to make a seba. But uh, this is a suit. There's a thing over here. So now you have to prepare where you're going to sit in order that this room, that you'll be able to make the seba on the left side. What type of matzot should you use for the seder? Matzah Shemura Avodat Yad. Matzah Shemura handmade. Acham ben Siyon did not like the machine-made matzot for the seder. 
Therefore, you should get handmade matzah shemura with a good hechsher. Sfaradim use the soft matzot. As long as you have a good hechsher, matovu manaim. Some have the custom to eat the hot matzot like we eat. Matovu manaim, so long as it's matzah shemura, it says on the box, avodat yad. Okay. Now, in truth, we don't eat like they used to eat in the olden days. In the olden days, they used to eat on the floor. If you saw the old pictures, in the Middle East especially, they would have a rug on the floor with like little couches or uh, little pillows, and they would sit on the floor. So for them, leaning was a normal way of eating. They would lie down like this on the pillow, like melachim, uh, and they would drink and they would eat. Today, however, we sit in chairs. So there is one rabbi, the Ravaya, he said, today there's no law of leaning. It's not comfortable for us to lean. We're sitting in a chair. Now you're going to start leaning like this? It makes it awkward. However, Maran Rabbi Yosef Karo pushed away this opinion of the Ravaya and said that even in our day, it's a mitzvah and a mandate to lean. When do we lean? We lean, of course, during the Arba Kosot and at the times that we eat the matzah. If one did not lean, he does not fulfill his obligation. For example, he made the kiddush, he drank it. They tell him, hey, you forgot to lean. Ah, you didn't remind me. Okay, uh, have to drink again? Yeah, the rabbi said you have to drink again. Okay, they pour him another cup. After he drank the first cup, he got a little uh, high already. He drank the second cup, he forgot to lean again. What does the halakha say? The third cup. The guy already in Kiddush, he had arba kosot. Because he forgot to lean. Halakha says you have to drink a hundred cups. Until you lean, you're not yotze. That's why it's incumbent upon the Baal Seder, the one that's running the show, to make an announcement before the Kiddush. Rabotai, don't forget to lean. What happens? The guy who's making the Seder, he doesn't have a Seder. So right after he says, mm, The guy in the back is, Now everybody's heeing and eyeing, nobody knows what they're doing. So you have to make the announcement before. And you have to make sure that your chair is suitable for the heseba. Now, heseba is always on the left. Hesebat semol, where I'm sitting, the seba would be this way. Now you have to be careful, because what happens is, the people are sitting across from each other on the table. So I don't know which way to go. So I look at the guy across from me. So I go, oh, he's going this way, so I go this way also. He doesn't know directions. The guy across from you is going on the left side, but it's your right. And therefore you can't follow the guy across from you what he's doing. You're going to get mixed up. Therefore, before, some people, they get mixed up between right and left. So you have to prepare yourself, hey, which one is the right side? Which one's the left side? The Hakamim say, there's two reasons why you lean on the left. One reason is for dangerous purposes, for sakana. Gebarah says, there's two pipes, there's a kanen of eshet. We're worried if you lean on the right side, the food will go down the windpipe. As for shalom, if the food goes down on the windpipe, sakana, be'en ba mitzvah. So the rabbi said lean on the left, but there's another reason. If you're going to lean on the right, most people are righties. That means they eat with their right hand. If you're leaning on the right, how are you going to eat? Your hand is uh, you're leaning on your right hand. How's he going to eat? Eat with his left hand? He doesn't have to eat with his left hand. He's not ambidextrous. 
So the Hachamim said, in order you be able to eat, you lean on your left and you take the food with your right hand. Now you're going to ask me a question. Now there's two reasons. What about a lefty? The poor guy, if he's a lefty, so now you're telling him, oh, lean on your left side. How's he going to eat? His hand is stuck over here. Doesn't matter. The rabbi said, since there's a subject of danger, even a lefty has to lean on his left side because it's more important that we don't put his windpipe in the wrong, uh, the food goes down the wrong pipe. So therefore we tell him, lean like, like everybody else. Now how do you lean? I'm sorry to tell you, most people do not know how to lean. Some people, they take it, the cup, there's the course, take any course, doesn't matter. Take for example, they go like this. Is this good? Is this fast and more enough? A little more, a little more, till you crack your neck off. What, what's the guy doing over there? That's not leaning over, leaning your head. Tilting your head means nothing. Some people go like this. They move their body a little to, to the right or to the left like this, they're leaning. I'm leaning, look, I'm leaning, I'm leaning, I'm leaning. That's not leaning. As long as you're not leaning on something, it's not called leaning. You see here, nothing. Your hand is not on the table. My back is not touching the back of the seat. I'm just going like this. This is not leaning. This is tilting. There's no din in tilting. There's a din in haseba. Haseba has to be either you have a back of the chair. So I have the back of the chair, so I lean to the back of the chair. Hakam ben Siyon says, it's not considered leaning until I lean 45 degrees to the left. 40, you don't have to bring a protractor to the center now and start measuring hey, 45, it's 47, 46, do it again. It means, you understand, if you go all the way down, it's 90 degrees. So therefore, somewhere in the middle over here, somewhere in the middle like this over here, is a proper heseba. But you see, I'm leaning against the back of the chair. That's why it's good. Or, let's say they don't have a back of the chair or it's a bench or something like that, so then you lean on the table itself. You lean on the table itself. Or in the older days, they would lean on the guy next to them. Okay, today you're not going to do that. But the point is, it must be a heseba that you yotzei yedehova. If you do not lean 45 degrees on something, that's why some people put pillows, which is a good menhag, on their chin in order to give them a... Or they set themselves up. But if it's too crowded to sit there, you're not going to have elbow room. You're not going to have... That's why Maran says you should set your place where you're going to sit before the seder. So you know exactly, you test it out. You go sit over there, you see exactly how you can maneuver, how you're going to sit over there. And that's the way we do it. Now, there is a question about ladies making haseba. Some opinions say the ladies do not make haseba. Unless she's considered isha hashuva, Unless she's considered a, an important woman. Shohan Aruch says all our women are hashuvot. They're all significant. And therefore in the halakha, the woman, means the wife, the girls, also have the minhag to make the haseba. We start... They say that by singing the whole entire Kaddishul Hats. That is our minhag. But before we start the Kaddishul Hats, we must make sure that we have our equipment. So the Ba'ala said that right away when he comes home, he has to set up the Ka'ara. Now, here they have a set up Ka'ara. It doesn't have to be like this with the holes in it. You could use any plate. It doesn't have to be because it says Betzah over here, Karpas. Because they wrote it, it makes it a ka'ara. Ka'ara means a plate. Doesn't matter if it's plastic or it's metal, but the Benish Hai says you have to use a, a plate. 
You shouldn't put it on the table, the items. You should use a ka'ara. So now how do you set up the ka'ara? So the Ben Ishai says, you take the three matzot. These are three matzot. We're going to use this during the seder. And they go on the top. It's facing the orech. It's facing the leader. So the matzot go on the top. The zerowa, that's the shank. Okay, we don't have one here tonight. But you don't have to know. You know what a shank is? Imagine there's a shank bone. Use your imagination. You put it over here to the right. And then you have the egg. Yeah, we have eggs. This is an egg. <laughs> the egg you put over here to the left. And then we have maror. For our purposes, this will be the maror. The maror goes right under the matzah. Perfect. Haroset, beautiful. We have a whole piece of haroset over here. This goes on the right side. Underneath the maror to the right. Then you have the karpas. This is celery. The celery goes over here. And then we have the hazeret. The hazeret over here, we'll call it like the, uh, the endives. Or we could put either one, it doesn't matter. You could put the endives in the middle or the maror, either one. One is on top and one is on the bottom. You look in the, in the uh, Haggadot of the Sfaradim, it gives you the way to set up the ka'ara. The ka'ara is set up. It stays in front of the balabayit. You only need one per table. You only need one per table. That's all you need. Now, before you make the kiddush, you have to cover it. So you take the kisui, you cover it. Like you would do on a regular Friday night, you'd cover the halah. There's no halah tonight. So you cover the, the bread. You go like this. Okay, beautiful. Right after the ka'ara is set up, we start. Kaddish, Urhas, Karpas, Yahas, Magid, Rohsa, Mosi, Masa, Maror, Korech, Shulachanor. There's an obligation to drink four kosot. The first kos is, happens to be also the kos of Kiddush. Okay, we have the Kaddish. There's a lot of laws that the leader of the seder must guide his group at the time of the Kaddish. It wouldn't be a bad idea at every juncture for the leader to give a little introduction, what we're about to do, instructions how to do it, in order that everybody's aware. The first thing, everybody should have a cup in front of them. Now, the halakha says, that for sure, for the first cup of the Kiddush, each cup needs to be rinsed with water on the inside and on the outside. When it comes to the rest of the cups, it's not necessary to wash them each time, only according to the Kabbalah. The Ben Ishai says it's proper to wash each cup of the four cups. But from the strict law, a person could have the same cup in front of him the whole time. They fill it with wine, he drinks, they put the next cup, and they don't even have to move it and clean it and so on. But those that have the custom of the Benish Hai, Matovu Manaim, they want to wash each cup. The ladies are very diligent, they clean him, they bring it back, it's fine. But I'm talking from the strict law. The first cup, however, according to everybody, you have to wash. And you have to clean because this is the cup of Kiddush. That is the first cup. Before you drink it, after you drink it, what are you washing? You drank it already. Again, I'll explain it to you. We'll get to all your questions after Pesach. <laughs> this over here, this over here is the cup. It's empty. Before you fill it with wine, 
you clean it. You make shetifa and you make hadaha. After you clean it, now you put the wine in it. Now, Halakha also says, since we're free people, on the night of the Seder we're free, we don't pour for ourselves. Somebody else should pour for you. So you make a deal with the neighbor sitting next to you. You pour for me, I'll pour for you. You make a, a, a deal. So he pours for you, you pour for him. Next, after they pour the wine, you have to make meziga. What's meziga? You take some water, whatever it is, three drops of water, we know what water is, and you just put three drops into the, into the cup of wine. I'll show it to you when I actually do it, but I'm just giving you the, the seder. Now, it's incumbent to know how much wine you have to drink. I'm going to make it very simple. The poor scheme say 86 grams. Finished. 86 grams. Nice. Okay, 86 grams. I'm not a scientist. Where do you get 86 grams from now? Go find the scale. Go find things. So I found the scale. Here's the scale. You see, this scale over here is in grams. You see it on the video there? See, it's on zero. So it's very simple. We take wine. And we pour it in. You're looking at it. You see it better than me. Do we get to 86? Perfect. Does it say 86 over there? Perfect 86. You can see it from there. Okay. This is the amount of wine that you have to drink. Now, just so you get an understanding of how much this is, we brought a couple of cups. So you can see it. This is a very big cup. See, this cup over here... If you pour the amount, this amount over here won't even fill maybe a little more than half. If you have the plastic cups, where are the plastic cups that we use here? These are the cups we use in Saudashili sheet. You see these cups here? Seven ounce cup. So you see it's basically, no, it's more like, uh, no, less than that. It's less than that. They want you to drink about. 3.2, this would be the perfect cup, let's say. The amount over here. See, that goes all the way to the top, almost perfect over there. And this is extra even. This is the perfect cup over here. Again, if you look at it in here, it's okay, we spill a little, it's okay. That's what happens, that's the minhag as well. If you look at it on here, the Haggadah has to have wine on it. That's basically the shi'ud, 86. Now, once you have the shi'ud of 86 grams, you have to know how to drink it. The halakha says you have to drink it properly, the whole cup. If you can, the whole shot. And you're supposed to drink it in one shot. Not like some people... They take the cup after the Kiddush, they lean back, 45 degrees, they take a sip. Oh, what wine this is over here. What a wine. Who got the wine this year? What a wine. He's swirling it around his mouth, he's drinking it. This is not a wine tasting over here. This is mitzvot. The halakha says you have to drink it, one shot. If you can't drink it in one shot, the guy says, what do I mean? I'm not a, I don't drink like this. I never drank wine before like this. So he can drink it in smaller sips, but he has to drink it quickly, within a few minutes, maximum. Not only that, 
if he can't drink the whole cup, minimally he has to drink the majority of the cup. Rov course. So you see how much this course is over here? So Rov course, he drinks a little bit more than half of the course, and he's Yotze. But again, preferably, he should drink the whole course. Can you use grape juice? Absolutely. And for some people, for example, women and children, it's recommended to use grape juice. Some people also, if the wine doesn't agree with them, and they're going to drink a few cups of wine, they're not going to be able to do the mitzvot. Therefore, we tell them also, drink grape juice, do the same protocol, the same shi'ur. When it comes to the last cup, anyway, you're going to sleep, most people, so then use wine, doesn't matter. But if it bothers you, the first three cups use grape juice and so on and so forth. But preferably, you should try to use wine. Preferably, it should be red wine. Preferably, you should try to use a wine that's not mevushal, that's not cooked. Of course, if you use a wine that's not mevushal, you have to be careful that the goyim or the goyot do not handle it and touch it. You keep the bottle, you keep the bottle next to you. Now, what type of course do you need? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. This course has a stem. Some people say, oh, yes, but you need a stem. Who said you need a stem? If you have a course like this that's flat, also it's okay. There's no protocol on what the shape of the cup has to be. Of course, you shouldn't use a plastic cup. You should use a glass. Now, let's say you're going to use this glass over here. Now you're going to have a problem. Because the halakha says you have to fill it up to the top. And once you fill it up to the top, you have to drink the majority of the cup that you're using. Oh, so now... Drinking the majority of this cup, you're drinking much more than you have to. So in the first cup already, you drank two kosot. By the time you get to the second course, you drank four kosot. By the time you get to the end, it's purim. So therefore, you go before Pesach. You see, you can't do this on the night of Pesach. Over on the night of Pesach, come home, ah, let's find the cups now. Now you start measuring cups. The company's waiting, the ta'anid, the bechorot fasted, they're all waiting to eat the haroset, and the guy's in the kitchen in the laboratory making hajbonot, making uh, uh, all uh, science uh, ex- exhibits. Go to the hardware store this week. Take your cup that looks like this, measure 86 uh, grams, like we did over here, fill it in the cup, it fits, finish. That's the shi'ur. No more, no less. Now, the ba'alabayit must then Tell everybody. Do not talk during the Kiddush. I am going to fulfill your obligation. Because everybody has to make the Kiddush. Really, you have to make the Kiddush. The Baalabite is making it for you. Therefore, you have to listen. The Baalabite makes an announcement. Nobody answer Baruch Hu, Baruch Shemo. That announcement never works. Because there's always one guy, Uncle Harry in the back... Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hu, Baruch Shemo. Hey, hey. hey this is what I do. I answer Baruch Hu Shemo. Whenever Hashem's name, I say Baruch Hu Shemo. Okay. Your wife nudges you. Leave him alone. He's 100 years old. The guy, leave him alone. That's what he does. But you're really not supposed to answer Baruch Hu Baruch Shemo. Just amen. What happens if they answer Baruch Hu Shemo? It's okay. Bedi Avad, it's okay. But look at Taylor, don't answer. But you shouldn't get nervous. The night of the city, that's supposed to get nervous. It's supposed to be, the guy said, leave him alone. See the people, ah, head to you. So therefore, fine. Not only that, the Mekadesh has to say the words properly. He has to know what he's saying or say the words clearly. Then he gets the Shehiyanu. Before he says the Shehiyanu, before he makes the Kiddush, he says, Rabotai. 
I'm going to make shichayanu. When I say the shichayanu, I'm having in mind for not only the holiday, but I'm having in mind for all the mitzvot that we're going to do tonight. Darba kosot, the matzah, and the maror. Because on those mitzvot, we don't make shichayanu. So the shichayanu is in the kiddush for all those items. Some people say that the shichayanu on the first night of Pesach is even for sefirat ha'omer. Because we don't make shichayanu. Again, you have to know your crowd. You're going to start telling them, and have kavana for sefirat ha'omer. So one of the ladies, hey, what's sefirat ha'omer? What is that now? Every, every year, new item. Every year, the rabbis are making up new things. I never heard it. We never did sefirat ha'omer. What's sefirat ha'omer? So you have to know who you're talking to. But if you're with an educated group, you have them sefirat ha'omer also, kavana for, for the shichayanu. Now, Another thing you have to know. Rabotai, we're making Borepriya Gefen on this cup. Have in mind that this Borepriya Gefen also covers us for the second cup. Because the minhag of this Faradim is not to make a Beracha, a Gefen on the second cup. We rely on the Beracha that we made on the first cup. But you have to have Kavana. Now I have to tell you Hadushpat. Not only are you supposed to say we're having kavana for the second cup, you're supposed to say we're having kavana for any cup. Why? What happened? The guy made the kiddush. He said, we're having kavana for this cup, and don't forget to have kavana for the next one that we're going to drink after the, after the Haggadah. One guy drank, he didn't lean. Oh, now he has to drink again. He said, I don't have kavana for this one. This one wasn't in my mind. I was thinking about the one for, for the Haggadah. Oh, now the Megan Abraham says he's in a big problem. So therefore, we say, I'm having kavana for this course, and any course that I'm going to drink, up until the end of the Haggadah. Uh, Beautiful. At that point, everybody has their chairs set, everybody has their wine in their hand, they stand for the Kiddush, the Mekadesh holds the cup. Properly, the way the Kiddush is done, somebody is supposed to hand the Mekadesh the cup with two hands, like this. And the Mekadesh receives it with both of his hands and then transfers it to his right hand. That is the way it's done. Preferably, according to the Benu Ari, the cup is held by the fingertips. Not some people, they hold it like this. Some people, they hold it like this. They grip it. The tips of the finger over here. In this case, it's underneath the cup, just like that. This is easy. When it has a stem, that's why they make a stem. It's easier to hold it like that. Sometimes on a flat cup, it's more difficult because you have to balance. You have to do a balancing act. Oh, we hope he'll make it to the end of the Kiddush. <laughs> okay, but that's, that's basically the way he holds the course over there. That's fine. Now, I didn't show you the Miziga, but the Miziga is basically very easy, just so you know how to do it. Let's say we had the wine over here for practical purposes. Here's your water. The water you put into another cup over here. And with your right hand... You say, yadenu That's it, three drops. You shouldn't put more than three drops because our wine is already diluted. If you're going to put more than three drops, could be it's going to turn into shakol with baro. So therefore you just put three drops for the meziga. Okay, the kiddush is done. Sabri maranan, baruchu baruch shemo. After the Kiddush is done, everybody sits in their chair. They lean back to the right, to the left, over here, 45 degrees, and drink. The menag is also that the wine falls on your shirt. 
If the wine falls on your shirt, you have to drink more wine. You're not your tzif, it goes on your clothes. Your tzif, then your throat has to go down. So you have to be careful. If you lost some, you say, oh, that's it, kapara, I lost it. <laughs> My luck. It's not your luck. If it fell on somebody or fell on the thing, you have to replenish it in order to drink the proper shi'ur. Beautiful. Right after that, we go on to urhas. We sing, Kaddish, Urhas, sing it around, Urhas. Now what's Urhas? Now I'm going to tell you over here. Urhas is to go wash your hands. Right after the Urhas is the Karpas. Now, if you're running the Seder, you have to give the orders of Karpas before they make Urhas. Because after you make Urhas and you wash your hands, you can't talk. So therefore, before everybody runs away after the kiddush, hey, oh, everybody stay here, don't go nowhere. Let me give you instructions now. First, we're going to make the tilat yadayim without a beracha. Hey, without a beracha? Why are we making without a beracha? Daddy, what, what are we making the tilat yadayim without a beracha for? Because we're eating celery. Eating celery. When do we ever make the tilat yadayim? Hey, these rabbis, every year they make new halakhot. Now celery you have to wash your hands for? When do we ever wash your hands for celery? The halakha says... That whenever you take a food, a fruit, or a vegetable, and you dip it in one of the seven liquids, one of the liquids is water, you must wash your hands. This is not a halakha for Pesach. This is a halakha all year long. It's written in Shuhan Aruch. So we're taking the celery, and we're going to dip it in salt water. So you have to tell everybody the rules. Rabotai, when we come back, I'm not going to be able to talk. So I'm telling you now. Everybody's going to take a piece of karpas. Specifically, we take celery. Even though according to the halakha, you're allowed to take anything that's bore priyadama, except maror. Ashkenazim, for example, take potatoes. Okay, you want to take a potato? Take a potato. But our custom follows Ari, that says to take celery, because karpas stands for samich parich, which is the 600,000 Jews that were under servitude. Samich parich. Now, you take the celery. The Baal said it has to tell everybody, you're not allowed to eat more than a kezayit. This is more than a kezayit. That means you take a little piece. You see this over here? A little piece like this. Uh, everybody's hungry. They didn't eat all day long. They can't wait to get to the karpas. So no, you have to control yourself. A little piece like this. And then what? Make sure there's no bugs. Baruch Hashem, our celery usually over here in the States is most, mostly basically clean. The ladies make sure to clean it before they serve it. Everybody takes a piece of karpas and they have salt water in front of them and they dip it. When they dip it, it doesn't matter if their fingers touch the salt water. That's why you make netilat yadayim. You have nothing to worry about. Some, oh, my, your fingers touched it. Right, here's the kuris. Bring a different one. No, it doesn't matter. You dip it in the salt, and the ba'labayit makes the beracha. What's the beracha? Bore periha adama. However, he has to make an announcement. Rabotai, when I make the bore periha adama, I'm having in mind also for the maror. Because we're eating maror later on, and maror is also adama, and this beracha covers that item. You do not have to lean when it comes to the karpas. 
the menagin halab was not tallin. Therefore, you, after you dip it in the salt water, you don't have to say zeche le churba, zeche le korban hagiga, nothing. You just dip it, you hear the beracha, no baruchu baruch shemo, except for Uncle Harry, you answer amen, you eat the karpas, and that's it. Now, the netilat is a regular netilat like you would make four bread. One, two, three. One, two, three. Regular bread. After you make the netilat yadayim, beli beracha. There's always one wise guy in the kitchen. I'm just joking around. I was just seeing if you're paying attention. Now, if a person made the beracha on the yadayim, he shouldn't have. But he did it, he did it. We don't make it because it's a mahloket. So therefore, the person who's running the seder has to remind everybody, no beracha, no beracha, you drill it in their minds. Now when they come back to the table, nobody's talking, it's quiet. Breshut. Baruch atah Hashem, edukenu melech ha'olam, bore pri Chut, chut, chut. Eat and finish. Kadesh, urhas, karpas. We're done. We get to the yahas. Now we have over here on our ke'ara. Now incidentally, you should always keep the ke'ara filled with merchandise. Even though let's say people are going to take the celery from the ke'ara, you should always make sure there's one celery on the ke'ara at least. You don't want to take all the merchandise off. It should be complete till the end of the seder. Now you're going to take your matzot. We take the middle matzah. What makes it the middle? Because we put it in the middle. It doesn't say middle on it. We put it there because we put it here in the beginning. Because we put it here in the beginning of the seder, that makes it the middle matzah. You don't have to make a, a designation or anything. Finish. Now you take it. Now here's where everybody gets confused. This is the hardest part of the seder. How are you going to make a dalid and a vav from a hard matzah? In the history of seder, nobody has ever made a dalid and a vav. Even though everybody's, oh yeah, look, it looks like a dalid, doesn't it? It's a vav. It's a... Okay, wishful thinking. Maybe on the sfaradi matzot, which is soft, you can make a dalid and a vav. But don't get carried away with that. That's according to the Kabbalah. People get so caught up in the Kabbalah, Dalit Vav. Ask him why Dalit Vav. Oh, I don't know. They told me Dalit Vav. Do. I do. I do. do. What does it do? Do. Dalit Vav. <laughs> they don't even know the reason, but Dalit Vav. The best way is have Kavana. Have Kavana. Try to make it as best as you. You don't have to. Some people. The Vav is the bigger piece, the Dalit is the smaller piece. How do you crack it? Yahas. Only the Balabai does this part. Yahas. Which is the Dalit, which is the Vav? <laughs> oh, this is the Dalit. Oh, it looks like a Dalit. Okay. This is the Vav. Perfect Vav. You see a better Vav than this? Okay, Vav Sofit. Anyway, now, once you make the Yahas, that's, the, that's all you have to do in Yahas. You're just cutting the Matzah. All your Kavanah should be one big, one small. That's it. Dalit Vav, put it in your head. Here's the small piece. The small piece you put right back in between. The small piece goes back in between. Now what do you do with the big piece? 
the big piece we place in this this mat over here, or this uh, napkin holder. Our minhag from Syria, the Balabaya takes it, and he places it over his left shoulder like this. You know it. They say, where are you coming from? You come from Mishraim. Where are you going to? Yerushalayim. Some have issues of attack. Okay, then you make a reza halifati, a reza kaparati, a reza timurati, and you give it to the next guy. And the next guy makes it. And he does it also. By the time you finish over here, you have matzah meal in the, in the afikoman. So everybody has to be extra careful <coughs> not to smash the afikoman. He doesn't understand Arabic. Where are you coming from? Everybody does their version of it. Then the ladies can do it also. What about kol isha? They don't have to sing it. They just say It's okay for the ladies to do it also. Now, after you finish all the mishadotams and the fenrayeh, the custom is to give the afikoman to one of the children to go hide it. That's the minhag, to go hide the afikoman. Why? We want to keep them interested. Later on, we're going to ask the children to go bring it back. We'll give them a gift. We'll buy them something. So they'll stay up to the end of the, of the seder. But advice, an adult or an older child should go with them. What happens? The kids, they don't know what they're doing it. They go, one guy puts it in the hamper, one guy puts it in the toilet, but one guy put it in the washing machine, the maid turned on the washing machine, the afikoman now is in the, in the rinse cycle. Where's the afikoman? <laughs> we threw it away. It's in the, it's in the recycling already. Therefore, when you go around with the afikoman, let somebody know where it is. Sometimes the children go to sleep. Now it's 12 o'clock at night. Bring the afikoman. Where's uh, Abraham? Abraham is in uh, He's sleeping. Ah, he's sleeping? Now what? We're going to do the afikoman now. He didn't tell us, he didn't give us any hints. Therefore, monitor it. Okay, now the afikoman is gone. We hit it. This is two kezayits. This over here and this over here. That means everybody gets a piece of the kezayit. Now where's the afikoman? The afikoman is the third matzah. That's the only one you have left. The two you gave out already. The only one left on the ka'ara is the, is the... I go back, I go back. I go back. One thing I have to go back... I'll go back to that now, exactly. This is Afikoman you took from the hiding place. You gave everybody a little piece of this. And Shalom Kultub, everybody's fine. They eat it leaning. Leaning to the left, 45 degrees. If they didn't lean, they have to eat it again. Now, one thing we did not mention, which is important to mention. What happened to this third matzah? The third matzah was sitting on the ka'ara. The one and a half matzot we gave out for mutzi matzah. This third matzah is the korech matzah. This is the matzah that you use for the korech. That means everybody gets a little piece of this matzah for the korech. You cannot have a kezayit for everybody around the table. So the balabai gives, hey, this is for your sandwich, this is for your sandwich. And then he fills in from the box in order to make the kezayit. So again, the top two, the one and a half is for motzi matzah. The third one is for the korech, and the one in the hiding place is for the avikoman. 
arguably the Magid is the most important part of the Seder. This is the night where we come to tell over the story. Before we say the Magid, we pour the second cup. Now the second cup is in front of everybody. And we start. We read one paragraph. After we read the paragraph, the Alakha says, you take the Ka'ara off the table. Why? In order that the children should ask. You want the children to ask, hey, Dad, what are you taking the, the Ka'ara off the table for? We didn't start eating. Now, here you have to be an actor. <coughs> what happens? The people are so serious on the night of the Seder, they have the Haggadah. Okay, Rabotai. Now it says, take the Ka'ara off the table in order that the children should ask. Okay, now take it off. And the kid's watching. And the father says, hey, don't you have any questions? I don't have any questions. Well, I don't have any questions. Hey, didn't you see? I, I, I took the uh, Ka'ara off the table. I came out asking. You read it. It says Nagadah. Take the table, take it off the table. Wait, you're following Nagadah. You cannot show him why you're taking it off the table. You have to make him inquisitive. Okay, Rabotai, that was a good seder. That was a beauty. Okay, yeah, take it off the table. We're finished. I'm full. I'm stuffed. Oh, that was a good one. That's it. Finish. Okay, bring the Maim Maharunim. Bring the uh, Birkat Amazon. Forget about the kids. Now also the adults. Hey, what are you doing over here? I didn't have the harozet. You, you take the God off the table. That's how you're supposed to get them excited. In order they should ask. Our custom from Syria was and is, they give it to a girl of marriageable age or the closest one of marriageable age. They give it to her as if to say, go out. Go out, leave the house. Go get married. This is minhag. And we should fulfill all these nice little minhagim that we have. Now they give it to the girl, go get married, but it gives a berakot, arus, aris, they bring it back. Okay, now when they bring it in the kitchen, she stays there. Now the child is curious. Hey, where's, uh, where's everything? And he asks the questions. And the custom is, we let the, each kid say his version of the Manishtana, and everybody gets candies, and the Halakha says you're supposed to give your children gifts on the night of the Pesach to keep them curious. In the old days, they used to give them nuts. Egozim and Kaluyot, today it's uh, candies and different type of uh, toys. Fine. After the Manishtana, they bring the Ka'ara back in, and they sit down. Now they start the official Agadah, Avadim Ayinu. But the one that's running the Seder, he doesn't realize that they asked four questions, and now he has to give answers. The Avadim Ayinu is the answer to the four questions. And therefore, the whole night of the Seder has to be geared to the children. The Devret Torah that you speak has to be on their level. Things that they can understand and appreciate. What happens? Guy comes to his Seder, he has a whole stack of Haggadot over here, uh, Rabotai, I'm going to start now. I have the Haggadah of the Briskarov. I'm going to open up over here. So follow what the Gemara says. And Tosafot has a question. And there's a stira and Masekat Zavahim on the Tosafot. And I wanted to answer it according to the Rambam. But it's a question with the Magid Mishneh. So we found Teshuvot HaRashba. And everybody's looking over here. This guy for real over here? What is he talking about over here? This is Pesach. This is Shabbat. 
What kind of Hadushim is this over here? Where's Paro? Where's Moshe? Where's Aaron? You tell me over here, Pilpulim, and this way and that way, that the guy drank too much wine. Therefore, you have to gear the Hadushim suitable for all audiences, that everybody can appreciate something. You talk about the, the Makot. You tell them about Kadosh Baruch Hu brought the, the blood, for example, the dam. The Egyptians, wherever they went, there was dam. But the rabbis say each plague was not one plague. Each plague had five plagues. Because what do you think? When there's blood all over Egypt, there's a smell, and the animals die. And the... So therefore, they say each plague in Egypt was five plagues, like we read in the Haggadah. So that means there's 50 plagues in Egypt. Because it says in Mitzrayim, it says etzba. Etzba Elohimi. That means one etzba, one finger of God, brought 50 plagues. On Yamsuf it says Yad. Yad is the whole hand. That's five times 50, 250 makot on Yamsuf. So therefore you start studying and preparing the Midrashim, each makah, what it says, what it says, and so on and so forth, in order to make it uh, pleasurable for the children. Good. We're not going to say Hadushim tonight. We'll go through the Magid in a different venue. Tonight I'm just trying to teach you the halachot. Now, you start reading Avadim Ainu and you go, I want to tell you one advice. What happens is, in the beginning of the Haggadah, there's a lot of paragraphs that really are introductory paragraphs. I have something to say. And they start giving a whole derash on why Bene Berak, why five rabbis, why were they, uh, uh, why did they stay till the morning? What? All this is very nice, but it has nothing to do with the Mitzvah of Yisiyat Misraim. Now I'm going to say the Rash on the four sons. Why four? Why this guy? Why that guy? These are all introductory chapters. <coughs> the main short should be spoken on the Seder per se, on the Yitziat Mitzrayim, on the Emunah, to give the children an awareness, advice, Go buy the book Ma'am Loez. Have it in English. Read all the stories in the Ma'am Loez. Prepare two, three pages and give it over to your children. Go buy the Midrash Tan Huma. They make it in, uh, in English today. Read the Midrash and Parashat Va'ira and Born Beshalah. Pick three or four chapters over there and give it over to your children. This will be more beneficial than all the other Pilpulim. There's room later, as we'll see, for all the Dirashot. Now, in the Seder itself, you're going to get to the ten plagues. When you get to the ten plagues, our minhag is like this. We bring somebody to the table. He's sitting next to the balabayit, or standing, and he holds a cup or a, a vessel, preferably a broken vessel. See, we take junk, this plastic vessel over here, it's broken. You see, it's broken over here? Broken. Now we broke it. It should be broken. We fill up a cup of wine, just so you know how to do it. They fill up wine. This you don't need shi'ud, you don't need anything. You don't have to clean the cup, nothing. You just fill up the wine. And the guy holds it like this on the side. He doesn't look. Nobody looks. Even though everybody cheats and wants to see, look, but you shouldn't look. Because this is the wine of the Satra Hara. This wine over here is filled with all the shedim and the ruhin and all the stuff you don't, you're not interested in. He holds the cup like this, over it. So he starts, Obviously, he's 
He puts a drop in the bucket. And everybody says, Rahman Silam. And God save us. Zabardaya, Kinim, Arob, Deber, Shekhin, Arbe, Hoshek, Barad, Hoshek, Makat Bechorot. Nabi Yehuda, Yarotem, Semanim. Dasak, Adash, Behav. And there's a chapter before, Dam, Vaesh, Betabron Ashan. Altogether, 16 uh, times you pull, you follow the Haggadahs in there. Now, what do you do with this wine after this? You give it to your enemy and let him drink it. <laughs> Finish. He won't be your enemy anymore. No, this wine over here, you get rid of it. Immediately. You don't even look at it. You take it into the kitchen, pour it down the sink, and the bucket, if it's broken, just throw it away and finish. Never to be seen again. That's our minhag as well. Why do we do it? There's different reasons given to say that the makot that God gave was only a drop in the bucket to what he's going to do. La'atid lavo. Okay, now we continue. Throughout the Haggadah. Now when it gets to this over here, you don't want to be too lengthy during the Magid either. Because you have a lot of work to do. So you should set aside maybe 45 minutes or 35 minutes. An allotted time, how long the Magid should take. Because really there's a lot of work to be done in the night and you don't want to lose the attention of the people. Now comes the main part of the Haggadah, the three items. Pesah, Masah, Umaror. The ladies are obligated in the Haggadah like the men. Preferably, they should sit with Haggadah in front of them and read it if they can. If not, to listen or to read it in English. Our custom is that we read it together as a family. The whole table reads it out loud together from the beginning until the end. But when you get to the Pesach, Masah, Umaror, we stop. Say, hey, hold it. Rabotai, this is the three items everybody must say on Pesach. So we read the chapter in English as well, so the ladies understand what we're talking about. Then we read Matzah, we read it in English. What's the Matzah? Why are we eating it? Then we read the Maror. However, there's a mistake that many people make. They say, Pesach, they point to the Zerawah. Or they pick up the Pesach. No, you know, don't pick up the Zerawah. If you did that, now the Zerawah is, is Korban. Now you have to put it in a baggie and put it in the freezer until Mashiach comes. <coughs> because you designated it as Korban Pesach. You don't do anything for Pesach. Pesach, you keep your hands to yourself. Masah, you point to the Masah and you point to the Maror. Now you can point to it, no problem. Masah, zu, they point to the Masah. Maror, zu, they point to the, to the Maror. But when it comes to the Pesach, you don't point to anything. Now we finish. Beautiful. We did Pesach Masah Maror. Everybody sings the Dayenu. You'll see in the Haggadah, sometimes you lift up the cup up. It's followed Haggadah. The Balabites of Isha Amda, lift up your cups. You could talk during the Haggadah if it's needed for the Haggadah, but otherwise you shouldn't talk. Every time you lift the cup up, you cover the bread. That's the rule throughout the Haggadah. This is the Afi Koman, you need another cover. Bisha'amda, cover it. Put the cups down. I put the cups down, uncover it again. Uncover it again. And then you start. Now you get to the end of the Haggadah, Baruch Hashem. Now stop, time out. What happens over here? The guy running the Seder, he has no idea what he's up to now. So he starts reading, he's reading. Baruch Hashem, 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 Baruch Hashem
Now, no one knows what he's doing. What are you doing? The guy, the guy's having a conniption. The guy's slipping out of it. What happened to him? Because he, he fell off the cliff. He got the guy, he slayed, there's nothing left. The Haggadah's finished. And it says, drink the, drink the second cup. That's why before the Beracha, you have to make kibbutz galuyot. You have to call everybody back to the table. Eh? Everybody come back, Rabotai. All the, the ones that scattered during the Haggadah, you have to bring them back. Everybody sit down in your positions to make a seba. And you say, Rabotai, I'm going to make the final Beracha now in Haggadah. Do not say, Baruch Hu Shemo. And say, Amen. Everybody take the cup in their right hand. Hold it up. After I say, Ga'i Yisrael, don't talk. Lean to your left again, 45 degrees. Do not uh, uh, talk. Drink it in one shot and finish. Now you're done. The Haggadah Shepesah and you're already done the second course. Now comes the most sensitive part of the Seder. Magid, Ruhsa. Now again, Ruhsa, what happens at this point? Everybody gets up, goes to the kitchen. Wait, don't go anywhere yet. Before you go to the kitchen, I have to explain to you Motsi Matzah. Because once we wash, we can't talk. Motsi Matzah, there's a mitzvah on the night of Pesach from the Torah to eat Matzah. This is a mitzvah on the men and a mitzvah on the woman. Preferably, one must eat two kezayit in the first round. Motsi matzah, two kezayit. I'm going to explain to you how we measure kezayit, so you'll know. Now what happens is, the balabayit needs to tell everybody how much they have to eat. How much is kezayit? That's a good question. There is a big discussion whenever we measure, are you supposed to measure by weight or by volume? According to the Sefaradim, Sefaradim measure primarily by volume. However, since it's very difficult to measure by volume, we choose the easier method and measure by weight. Because it's easier. That's the way the Kafahayim says. That's what Acham brings down. But primarily, we measure by volume. Now, on the night of Pesach, it's important to go with volume. Because if you're going to go with weight, you're going to eat much more than you have to eat. It's hard enough to eat the matzah as it is. Now a person is going to come along and eat double the amount he has to eat, or 30% more, and then he's not going to be able to do the other mitzvot properly. One ounce, if you weigh it, is 30 grams. We have our scale over here. Let's empty it out. We have our scale over here. Let's take a regular matzah. Let's take a whole one just to be... Uh, let's take one from the box. Okay, this is more, no, more closer to... At 50, 50 grams. Okay, so about one matzah like this, they're telling you it's 50 grams. Now, if we're telling you that you have to eat two kezayets, so that's going to be, you're going to have to eat one plus maybe a little, a little more, just for motzi matzah, Shemai said. However, if you go with volume, the rabbis made calculations, Chambin Sion made a calculation. We're not going to go through how he came to it. But he said that 
20 grams is the volume of one kezayit. 20 grams in weight is the volume of one kezayit. So beautiful. Now, you need to have 40 grams then. 40 grams, let's take a little off over here. How much do we have? Forty grams. This is it. This is what you have to eat for motzi matzah. You see, we th- we saved you all this over here, and then we saved you another half of another one. People don't know; they're just eating, they're eating, they're eating. How much? Keep on going, keep on going, keep on going. The bottom one. What? That's an end. Keep on going. And we have another one waiting for you. Finish it. We have another one. The guy after motzi matzah. What's going on over here? You have to know the shi'urin. This is the basic shi'ur for motzi matzah. You take a whole matzah, you cut, uh, how much will we cut over here, over here, this little remnants over here. Double check it again. Oh, we're right on the 40. Now, preferably you should eat two kizetim. If it's difficult to eat two kizetim, you can eat one kizayit. But that's only if it's difficult. Two kezetim for motzi matzah. Can I give you advice now? Here's the advice of the night. You're going to come now. Everybody made the nitla yadayim. Beautiful. They came back to the table. They all geared up. Okay, the balabai takes now the three matzot that he has. He has one hole. He has the small piece. This is broken as well. Okay. You can get another one just to make it perfect. This is the small piece. Okay, here's just the two pieces, the small one in the middle. Now the Balabai is holding it like this. He holds all three like this. Now, over here, let me explain to you what's happening. The reason why we have a broken one is because the matzah is called poor man's bread. Lechem oni. And it's the way of a poor man to eat in pieces. He never has a whole piece. So therefore, we call it lechem oni, so we break it. But we have a problem. Because if you're just going to have two pieces, you need two holes to make that motzi. Always on Shabbat and Yom Tov, you need two holes. This is one and a half. So therefore, we take all three together. We hold all three. We say, the, the leader says, Baruch He says it when he's holding all three. After he says that motzi, he drops the third one. Because now you don't need it anymore. You had the lechem mishneh already. You covered it. Then when he's holding the top one and a half, he says, Asher al achilat masa. Everybody answers, Amen. He takes a little piece from the top one, a little piece from the bottom one, a little piece like this, nothing. He dips it three times in the salt. You have to be careful because the matzah does not have salt. Therefore, it's mandatory to dip it in the salt. You dip it in the salt, Quickly he leans, now he has to give out. He gives everybody a piece from the top and a piece from the middle. The guy next to him. A little piece here, the next guy. Piece here, piece here, piece here. Now the guy next to him is, ah, this is kezayit, this is beautiful. Okay, this is more than, this, what is this? This is just, so you're tasting from the mitzvah, but you have to eat the shi'ur. Now what's the guy going to do? He's going to start now, 50 people around the table. Okay, uh, Okay, you know, this guy, it'll take it all night. Therefore, the proper thing is to be prepared. 
Erev Pesach, you get baggies. And you take your scale like this before Pesach, you measure, you put this in the bag, boom. Happy birthday, you seal it. One bag. You take another bag, you put the thing, you make 50 bags. Now, before the Hamotzi, you take the bags, you go around to everybody, happy holidays, kushim rabot. What is this over here? Matanot levyonim. Everybody over here gets a kezayit. Now nobody has to worry about anything. It's all there. The kezayit is there already. Now all they need is a little piece from the mitzvah. Open your bags. It's ready, Matt. Like we do over here in the shul. We give you the, the box of ready-made food over there. That's where we learn it from. Give everybody a ready-made kezayit. Because it's your obligation. What happens? People are eating. They don't know how much to eat. So most of the people are eating less. And the people that are mahmir are eating twice as much as they should. And at the end, nobody knows if they really did the mitzvah. This way, everybody's yotzeh the mitzvah. Good. Some have the custom, the Benish Hai says, they kiss the matzah. Well, you want to kiss it, kiss the matzah. Don't kiss anybody else. Just make sure you just kiss, kiss the matzah. Also, the leader has to tell everybody to have kavanah to be yotzeh mitzvah deoraita. Kavanah to be yotzeh. He has kavanah to be motzi. Excellent. Motzi, matzah. Now we come to... Now, oh, let me just tell you how to eat it. has to be leaning. You eat the matzah, each kezayit, preferably in four minutes. You see some people, they take all the shtick kezayitim, they stick it all in their mouth, like like Melech Bashan. All of a sudden, and they swallow it. Eat it like a normal person over here, especially if you have guests around the table. The guy's not religious. Look at it. This is the religious people over there. Look at they're eating over here. We never saw people like this. Therefore, eat it the normal guy. Four minutes per kezayit. <coughs> so altogether, eight minutes. You want to put salt on the matzah? Put salt on the matzah. It's okay. But you're not allowed to dip it in any other uh, items that should be eaten as it is. The matzah is called masad asvata. Nehamad asfata, it's a cure bread. It's medicine bread, the Zohar Kadosh says. And therefore, instead of saying, oh, I can't eat it, the person eats matzah and pesah, he doesn't have to go to the doctor all year long. The, 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 the matzah itself is healing to the person. If, if a doctor today, you would go to a holistic doctor, he'd tell you, eat this herb, eat this uh, type of uh, spices, and drink this cup of tea, even though it's a terrible uh, taste to you, you drink it because you're going to get better. Here the Zohar Kadosh says, God says, eat this amount of matzah the night of Pesach. This will give you a cure to your whole body. And the person saying, oh, do I have to eat it? Did I eat enough? Can I have? And the lady screaming, hey, don't fill yourself with the matzah. matzah. We have the ribah coming. Don't eat all this matzah. Wait, we didn't come to eat ribah. The main matzah the night is to eat matzah. Hakam ben Sion used to say, halayla hazeh kulo matzah. That's the mitzvah. Eat the matzah. Everything else is... Hakam ben Sion himself, during the Shohan Orech, he would eat a kezayit of basar and a few spoonfuls of uh, soup and go eat the matzah. He held every kezayit of matzah that you eat on the night of Pesach, it's a mitzvah de oraita. If you look at the Rambam's words, the Rambam's lashon is mashma that even the minimum is a kezayit, but kol mishubah. Okay, now he ate the matzah, he fulfilled his mitzvah. Maror. How much maror do you have to eat? 
Kezayit. Okay, Kezayit. Now we know already how to measure Kezayit. We need 20 grams of weight will give us one ounce in volume. So we have our trusted scale. Let's take the Maror. Here's Maror. Now first of all, the Maror has to be checked from bugs. The Benish Chai says there was once a lady, she was checking the Maror like this. The Benish Chai said, how much hair do you have in your head? She said, how much hair do I have in my head? I cannot count. He says, you cannot count how much hair you have in your head. That's how much more Malkut the family is going to get for eating all these bugs. Every bug is five Malkuyot, five Averot, and each Avon is 39 lashes. So therefore, it's five times 39 lashes. What is that, 195? 195 lashes for each bug. How much bugs are there? There's a million bugs if they don't clean it. So there's more hair that you have on your head, that's how much Malkut you're going to get because you're feeding it to them. Therefore, the best thing is to get the, 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 the checked one or the grow it in hydroponics, and today they have different systems, or to check it the old-fashioned way. <coughs> you don't want to make mitzvah, baba avira. Okay, now it's checked. Now we put it on the scale. How much? Okay, that looks perfect. 20. Bingo, this is it. Maror. You see the people that think, huh? More? Hey, more? Huh? How much maror do you take? Maror is there. One maror is enough, like this. Take the scale, measure it. 20 grams. You have your shi'ur. Now you take the maror and you fold it up as you want. And now you get to the best part. You get to the haroset. Now the haroset, the halakha says you must dip the maror into the haroset. One thing is for sure, we don't lean when it comes to the maror. Because maror is bitter. Leaning represents royalty. Leaning represents freedom. So now what do we do? We take the maror, halakha, and we dip it into the haroset. Some people, when it comes to the haroset, all of a sudden they become like, uh, like diggers. They start to go into the haroset, and they're holding it like this. Hey, make the barakah ready. The haroset is falling all over his uh, shirt. You don't scoop out the haroset. You have the whole Pesach to eat haroset. Otherwise, you have to make bureh priyayets on the haroset instead of the maror. You dip it a little into the haroset, and then you shake it off. Because you want to taste the maror. And then the leader of the seder, everybody's finished the matzah, they have kavanah to fulfill the mitzvah from the rabbis. And you have kavanah, uh, what? Baruch atah Hashem, Elokeinu melech ha'olam, Asher Kedeshanu Ustav Sivanu Al Achilat Maror. Eat it. Eat it. That's nothing to do. No leaning or nothing. It's very simple. Okay, Maror Korech. Ah, now the sandwich. People get confused on the sandwich. They don't know how to make the sandwich. Because it says Korech. So they want to know what, what, what goes around what. How much Matzah do I need? How much Maror do I need? For the korech, you need one kezayit of matzah. How much is one kezayit? 20 grams is one kezayit in volume. What more do you want? This is all you need. Now how are you going to make korech? You take, you want to take these also over here, it's the same thing. This also counts, these are endives. It's the same thing. 
the Shohan Aruch gives five different options for Maror. The best one is this, the Hassa, we call it, the Romaine. You want to use the endives also? It's the same thing. You want to use both? You want to mix and match them? It's fine. But the best one is the Romaine, as we have it. Now you take over here, you put it. What is it? Okay, more or less. More or less. Now how are you going to make a Korech? You're going to go like this. You want to go like this? It counts. You ever see the sushi? Sometimes they put it on the outside, sometimes they put it on the inside. It doesn't matter. You want to make the korech like this, or you want to make the korech, make a sandwich, put it on top. Korech doesn't mean to, to wrap it around like a lafa bread. You're not making a falafel sandwich, a shawarma. The main thing is over here just to eat it together. Korech. Doesn't matter how to eat it. You want to put the lettuce on top and the two matzahs on the bottom. Any which way you want, so long as in your pile of stuff here, you have a kezayit of matzah and a kezayit of maror, that's what you have over here. Wait, I'll get to the haroset. I'll get to the haroset. Let's do the haroset. As long as you have a kezayit, you want to mix and match them to get it to kezayit, mix and match. It's okay. Even if you didn't have endives, it doesn't matter. Whatever one you choose to eat, you want to do both, do both. As long as you have a kezayit of both. Now you say, You dip it in the maror, in the haroset. Here you want to dip a lot of haroset, you can dip. You don't have to shake it off either over here. Now you can enjoy the haroset. You can dip. You want, you want to smear it on like a thing? The minag is to dip. The minag, everything in the night is, You dip. You dip it into the haroset. Don't forget to lean. But again, now there's many things happening where the crowd is on their own. Because once already you're into the Motsi Matzah, it's Bnei uh, Horim. Everybody's on their own now. Now, if you don't give them the laws before, Rabotai, this is, you want to be extra, extra orderly? Prepare for them the Marors. This is the Maror bag. Happy anniversary. This is the Korech bag. And now the seder runs very smoothly. Everybody has three bags on their plate. One with the two kezayits of matzah. One with the kezayit of maror. One with the uh, uh, korech. Now you finish the korech. There's no beracha on the korech. Now. After the korech comes the best part. Shohan Orech. Shohan is the Sa'udah. You're supposed to enjoy the Sa'udah. You're supposed to have good wine during the Sa'udah. You're supposed to have good meat during the Sa'udah. You're supposed to say the Vre Torah. We sing Pizmonim. The Sa'udah is Sa'udat Yom Tov. It says the Malachim come down. They see us rejoicing on the night of Pesach. Uh, they say, look at the Jewish people, how great they are. It's a beautiful time, the Shohan Aurech. However, one has to be careful not to fill himself up because you still have to eat Afikoman. So the Ba'ala says, hey, enjoy. The ladies made a d- delicious dinner, but make sure you save some room for the Afikoman. He says, oh, don't worry, have room. I'm not, uh, what do you think over here? Eating is eating, is eating, is eating. What happens by the time the Afikoman comes out? Oh, the Afikoman, wow, we didn't calculate. We told you not to eat. We told you to, 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 to save room. But what's the minimum? Why the minimum? Therefore, make hajbon. Don't stop when you're full. The Rambam says you always have to stop before you're full because it takes your brain 20 minutes to calculate how much your stomach has. 
You ever fill your car up with gas? You fill it up, the gas stops. But you still see the gauge moving. It takes the gauge a few seconds to realize that it's on full. It takes the brain a few minutes to realize that the stomach is on full. So then we eat, we eat, we eat, we eat, we eat, we eat. Now we overeat. The Varambam says, always before you full stop, to let the gauge go to full. Kol Sheken on the night of Pesach. Now you finish the Shohan Orech. Yes. Oh, I'm glad you mentioned that. I'm glad you mentioned that. During the Shohan Orech, or before, our custom is, number one, to take the Betzah, the egg which is on the Ke'ara, somewhere under here. They cut it up. They put some salt on it. the Korban Hagiga. That's it. Nothing uh, fancy. You don't have to lean. You don't have to do nothing. You eat it. The shank, there's different minhagim. Our minhag clearly is not to roast it. And if we do roast it, we boil it first. Because we don't want to roast it that it should resemble the Qurban Pesach, which was roasted. So if it's going to be roasted, they should boil it first, like the ladies do. Now, some people... Eat the zerawah. You want to eat the zerawah? Baruch Abba, it's delicious. But you don't say anything. Some people, they take the zerawah. Ah, zeh, eh, lekor, vana, pesah. Eh, Now you can't eat it. It says in the Haggadah. Ah? No, asafikoman. Some Haggadot have the mistake. They say, take zerawah, say, zeh, lekor, pesah, and eat it. You don't say nothing. You just take the zerawah and say, ah, oh, delicious. I'm talking about who made the zerawah. Then eat it, finish that's the custom of Betzah and Zerawah. You have to know, once you eat the Afikoman, you can't eat anything anymore. You cannot have anything after the Afikoman except water. You cannot have soda, you should not have tea, even coffee we'll discuss. Dessert for sure not. That's why the custom on the night of Pesach is apikuman. Apikuman means bring the bring the dessert. After the dessert is finished, everybody's finished. Everybody's done. Nobody wants to eat anymore. Yes. Now bring the apikuman. That's safun. Safun. Now the kid goes bring the apikuman. <coughs> the balabai takes out the apikuman. You see this piece? There's nothing in our religion that has more sigulot than this piece of afikoman. There's so much holiness in afikoman that tzaddikim, they take a piece, they hold it with them. When they go on a boat, there were stories where the boats were in the high seas, they took the afikoman, they threw it in the water, the water stopped. Ladies were in pregnancies, terrible things, they gave them the afikoman, they bit on it, the baby came out, what they don't say about the afikoman, the enemies, boom, they throw the afikoman. Everything the afikoman. Therefore, it's very special. But what happens? Nobody wants to eat it. Now it becomes a rabbit's foot. They bring out the afikoman. Oh, send me a piece, send me a piece, send me a piece. Everybody puts it in their pocket. The mitzvah is to eat the afikoman. You want to save a little piece, you put it in your pocket to save a little piece. But the main thing is to eat. Now, there's not enough for everybody to eat from this. How much do you have to eat for afikoman? Preferably two kezetim. Preferably. Preferably. If you cannot because you're full, one kezayat suffices. So again, 
The minimum amount of kezayit you have to eat on the night of Pesach is three. One for the motzi matzah, one for the korech, one for the afikoman. If you're a gibor, two for the motzi matzah, one for the korech, and two for the afikoman. If you could push yourself, again, it's medicine. That's why I told you, Acham Ben Sion would minimize his other eatings in order to eat the full amount. How much grams is that on the scale? We said 40 grams is going to be the proper, the proper uh, volume. There you go. Safun. Now I finished the Afikoman. Now after the guy finished the Afikoman, <coughs> all of a sudden the wife comes out, says, wait, 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 don't make Birkat Mazo, we forgot the jello. There's always room for jello. There's always room, always room for pot roast. But what do you mean the jello? Because I made the jello. We forgot. Grandma made the jello. Everybody, before we cut the mazon, you have to have jello. Ma, you're not allowed. The rabbi said, Afikoman, Afikoman. Jello for dessert tomorrow morning. You cannot have it. Alakha says, after Afikoman, nothing except water. Now we make Birkat Amazon. What happens before Birkat Amazon? Third cup. Uh, pour the cup. Pour the cup. Everybody gets a cup in front of them. The leader of the Seder has to tell everybody, Rabotai, do not forget Ya'alei V'yavo. If you forget Ya'alei V'yavo in the Birkat Amazon on the night of Pesach, you have to repeat the Birkat Amazon. So therefore you must remind them, Ya'alei V'yavo. Okay, takes the course and is in. Everybody lift their course up. During the Birkat Amazon, you make Meziga in Alakol. After you finish, say Shalom and Romav. Shalom and Romav. You wait till everybody finishes. If you're eating by somebody's house, you say Birkat Aureyah. Now what happens? Everybody's finished. Sabri Maranam. Baruch Atah Hashem and Ukenu Melech Aulam Bore Everybody leans back and they drink the course of Birkat Amazon. Now, when you made that Borepriya Gefen, you had to have in mind that's not only for the third cup, it's for the fourth cup also, because the fourth cup you're not making a Beracha. So the leader has to tell everybody before Berkat botai. when I make the Beracha and Gefen, it's for this cup and the coming after. Now they finish. Before you start the last part, which is the Halil, you have to fill the cups again. That's Kosrevi'i. You want to hold the cup during the Hallel? That's fine. You want to keep it next to you? That's also fine. You read the Hallel. There's a mistake that many people make in the Hallel. I'll clarify it now. At the end of the Hallel, there's a chapter called Yahalilucha. It's like we say in the end of the Hallel, in Rosh Chodesh or the Hagim. Some of the Haggadot mistakenly put the word Amen over here. Because normally we say, Baruch Hashem, Amen. But in the Haggadah, Shepesa doesn't belong. I'll explain to you why. The reason why you normally say Amen over here. Is because there's a beracha before. Anytime there's a beracha before and a beracha after, the second beracha gets an amen after it. But in the Haggadah, there's no beracha before the Halil. 
We start Hallel, Hallelujah, Hallelujah of the Hashem. And therefore, since there's no Berachah before, there's no Amen over here. So we say, Baruch at Hashem, Melech Olav Tashbachot. Everybody who's listening to the Berachah answers Amen. But the person himself doesn't say, Baruch at Hashem, Melech Olav Tashbachot, Amen. You don't answer Amen to your own Berachot. But those that are listening, of course, say Amen. After you answer Amen, you take the fourth cup, Lean again on your left side, and you drink it. Preferably, you should drink the whole course. If you cannot drink the whole course, you drink rough course. After you drink that cup, you make the beracha aharona. The beracha is ala gefen val gefen. It's in the mahzor. Now you did your halal. Now you think it's over. That's it. Halal, Hashem should accept our tefillot, beratzon, tiktabas, lotana, ba'otana, imsatona, ba'otona, kubti Israel. Harambam says, it's an obligation to stay up the entire night and study the laws of Pesach and Haggadah, ajetahtefen nushina, until he falls asleep. That means a person, if he finishes, if he's tired to go to sleep, he goes to sleep. If he still has energy, he stays up and reads until his eyes become heavy on him, then he goes up to sleep. That's what Hacham writes. That if you're planning on staying up to read the Haggadah more in depth, you're allowed to have coffee after the Afikoman. But if you're not planning on staying up, then just to have a, a coffee or a, 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 an espresso after the Haggadah, you go into the living room, now you, you talk a little, give it the coffee, give it the, the crumpets. No. Only if you're planning on staying up, he allows you to have the coffee or the tea. Otherwise, ma'im, kiriyat shema ala mita, betof talinu brahamim takitsu. Ze seder halayla, from the Kadesh until the Nirzah. Once a person knows the rules now, how to do it, and he knows exactly the measurements, now he's educated. Now he's able to give the proper guidance. It's your responsibility. When you're inviting people to your house for the seder, or you're part of a group, somebody has to be the one that puts it on his shoulders because nobody knows anything. Everybody's education, unfortunately, is from elementary school, what they told us. We didn't upgrade our information. I hope, as a result of tonight's model seder that we did, with visual aids, it'll be more clear to the people exactly what's expected and what's responsible upon us to do. Rabotai, we have a week. This year, tonight's Monday night. We have one week to practice and rethink all these ideas that we said tonight. And Next Monday night, if the Mashiach doesn't come by then, our seder will be a seder that we could say at the end, nirzah. Nirzah means it was accepted by God. V'hiratzon, shenizkeh la'asot et ha-seder hazeh, b'yirushalayim ira kodesh, b'binyan, b'eta b'chira, b'merah b'yamenu, amen, v'amen. Abih, ananyah, b'nakashya, omer, l'asakha, b'nakashya, b'nakashya, l'fiqa, k'irbadet, v'chneemar, v'hafesu ma'atsitko, يغدير تراب يا دير <تصفيق> 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 <تصفيق>
All right, folks, you are listening to the Yishai Fleischer Show. That was Rabbi Eli Mansour on the Seder. Uh, I know that's not a very usual thing for me to play uh, such a long uh, audio of somebody else, but it is really an audio that I have uh, recouped uh, from getting lost, and I think it's an incredible class to prepare us for the Seder night. I hope you enjoyed it. I am at the Matzah Baking Factory in Beit El with the beautiful folks of Malad Dumim, and we are baking the matzahs, and we are, we are baking the matzahs to eat, uh, this Seder night, but also to continue a tradition of thousands of years, a, a continuation, um, a, a um, really a link through the generations, uh, through this uh, personification of a narrative, uh, through this matzah. So simple, and yet so not simple. So 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 plain, and yet so laden with meaning. And the meaning is, is that uh, we are born as a nation, we exit us from, from, from uh, slavery, that is a personal, national uh, uh, success, but it's also, of course, a message to all peoples about liberty and freedom, and about becoming the, the people that we're supposed to be, which is a light unto the nations. That's when it really was a light unto the nations, a moment of a burst of freedom, a burst of a beginning, a burst of time, where, where time begins, where there's purpose to this world, where it's not just uh, cyclical slavery and endless meaninglessness, right, the unbearable lightness of being, but instead it's actually meaningful life. And that's what I think we're trying to convey here at the Land of Israel Network. And that's what Passover is about. It's about the beginning of a meaningful life. That's what I would call the show today. Beginning a meaningful life. Beginning a meaningful life. All right, folks, you are listening to the Ishai Fleischer Show. Thank you, Rabbi Eli Mansour. Thank you, Moshe Herman. Thank you, Tabitha. Thank you, Ben Bresky. Thank you, God Almighty. Have a great Pesach, everybody. Have a happy, happy Exodus. Shalom. God bless you. Lots of love from the land of Israel. Stay tuned. Stay connected. Stay part of the story wherever wherever you are. God bless you and shalom. Experience the best kept secret in the land of Israel, the Arugot Farms and Retreat Center, headquarters of the Land of Israel Network. Join Arya Bromlitz and Jeremy Gimpel, May 6, 2019, to encounter the Judean frontier. Our Passover visit is already sold out. For more information, email tours at thelandofisrael.com. That's tours at thelandofisrael.com to visit the Arugot Farms.